0: Hello everyone, you're listening to Slapdash, the podcast about history, art, science, and everything else. We're your hosts, Shannon Deaton and Jason Creekmore. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the science and technology behind virtual reality, We'll explore VR milestones, VR headsets, VR industry leaders, and the future of VR. Across the table from me, I have a holographic projection of my co-host, Jason Creekmore. Jason, how are you today? I am actually here, Shannon. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing well. I'm not sure if I'm here or not. Uh, We also have a special guest with us on this episode, Mr. Chad Lawson, a virtual reality enthusiast and technology guru who has literally traveled the country and world engaging with VR technology. Chad, how are you today?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, we're excited to have you. Uh, Very interesting topic. We've already... Already had a lot of discussion around this um, off the podcast, and I'm really excited to bring this to the podcast today. I know we have a lot of listener interest around this particular topic as well. So, we'll begin where it all starts, and that is just an explanation of virtual reality. So, what is it? You know, virtual reality is this use of computer technology to create this simulated environment. All of us have VR headsets with us here today. (laughs) We were kind of comparing those and, and looking at those. We even took a picture that we'll share on social media. But the display itself is the most recognizable component of virtual reality. That's the thing that you associate most closely with what VR actually is. So, Chad, this is a good question for you, getting to the science behind virtual reality. How does virtual reality really work? And, you know, when a person puts on a headset like we did just a minute ago when we were taking that picture, how does the technology create the illusion of this virtual world?
1: That's a great question. Virtual reality really works very similar to a lot of other technologies that you've probably used in the past. It, it, it incorporates some aspects of video games. It incorporates some aspects of televisions and some aspects of uh, you know your iPhone or Android phones. Really, at the base of it, you have what's essentially inside of the headset, a display that's very similar to a phone display. It has a high-resolution display, usually maybe even two displays, and they are angled at your eyes in such a way that it envelops your full vision. And now the magic to that is that there are lenses there that project that image directly and it encloses your vision in the headset. You feel like you're actually there. And and the magic of that is that depth perception is there. Your brain is tricked and and you feel that as though you're actually in that world. You're in that 3D environment. And I like to say, you know, if you're watching a 3D uh, a, a movie on a 3D screen or on, a, on an iPhone, you feel... Like it's a a wallpaper. It's just, it's static. It doesn't move. But when you put that virtual virtual reality headset on and you see that death perception, I'm not watching just a picture or or seeing a movie with the Eiffel Tower. I'm next to the Eiffel Tower. My brain feels as though it's there. So uh, on top of those of the lenses and and encapsulating your vision, virtual reality also uses accelerometers and and gyrometers to, as you move your head, as you tilt and as you move around the environment, you're able to, the, the headset moves and tracks. So just like if you've ever played uh, the old Nintendo Wii that came out a few years ago, oh, as yeah. you move that controller, you you saw the, the guy move the racket, you know, he used his tennis racket that yeah. was a big development that helped virtual reality and a lot of people don't know that until that type of technology came along and as you use your cell phone when you when you have it in the portrait mode and you move it to landscape that's using accelerometers and geometers sure. to uh, to to change that position of the phone so as you watch a youtube video or those types of things so those are technologies that helped virtual reality and and all of those things coming together the the displays and the sensors really just make this very compelling experience and and really brings you into the experience
0: yeah i, I love it i've really enjoyed what experiences I've had with virtual reality and you know um, there's really two different technologies that people often discuss when they're discussing virtual reality and the other one is augmented reality so you have VR and you have AR so augmented reality and virtual reality are very similar and they're easy to confuse, uh, but there are some differences. So can you speak a little bit to what those differences might be between AR and VR?
1: Yeah, that that is a very tricky thing, and, and I think you have to sort of be uh, like a, in one of the posts, an enthusiast in this in this market. <laughs> you really can't, you know, if someone sees those terms AR and VR, really, I, it's hard to explain what virtual reality is, let alone uh, augmented reality. Right. So. Really the big difference is, is that augmented reality doesn't encapsulate your full vision. Virtual reality will put you into the experience, whereas augmented reality is alongside your vision. So I think of a lot of really cool experiences that I've tried in augmented reality. I've used the Microsoft HoloLens as an example. That's a $3,000 headset. Yeah, so I've seen that one.
0: I've not used that one, but I've been really excited by it. It yeah. it's sort of um, you know has a visor over your field mm-hmm. of vision, but you can still see what's going on in your surroundings but yet, it inserts a digital image similar to what VR would do.
1: Yeah, so the difference is there is that augmented reality, like like you said, it's a visor. You you may have saw a few years ago the Google Glass was sort of the the, the hip or trend thing is that you would wear these that, yeah. glasses and really what that's doing. So in the in the differences there being that virtual reality, you put the headset on and encapsulates your vision, and those LCD screens are directly there or and directly in front of you, and that is like looking at an iPhone that's sort of like five inches from your face. Whereas an augmented reality headset, a lot of times they will use projectors that are just the size of like a thumbtack. And they will project using mirrors the image uh, directly back into your into your eyes. Now that sounds crazy. That 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 this little small projector is right there on the yeah, glasses. Yeah, very and,
0: tiny projectors. But, very intense technology. Mm-hmm. Very innovative. So, what would be an example of something that you might see in augmented reality? Oh
1: yeah. So I think uh, some of the experiences I've seen and that I've really thought would be very compelling in the real world is that when you use your, uh, you'd be, you know, that you would sit around the house and you maybe have prescription augmented reality glasses. And so as you're watching a football game or you're watching the Kentucky Wildcats, so a lot of times we mount our TV to the wall, but we have a lot of blank space to the left or right of that where we've mounted our TV. So augmented reality, what it can do is as you're watching the game, you can see stats on the team or you can see stats of individual players that pop up directly on the wall there. So, you know, you might make a little gesture, you might point or see something that's happening and you can want that real-time data to be like, oh, well, this this is a new player. He's a freshman. What does his stats look like with that three-point shot? What does that sort of bring him up to? How is he performing this season? So you would see that instantaneously alongside next to your TV. So it complements your vision. It complements the technology and the things that we're doing in the real world. Yeah. And um, one, of the, one experience that I really did get to try with the Microsoft HoloLens is we were taking apart an engine. And so in, in front of me, there was this holographic projection of an in of an engine a car engine and i was able to take like my fingers and pinch like the engine it makes no sense but <laughs> but uh, i was able to pinch like the engine and stretch and move parts and input the parts into the engine in real time <clears throat> and so they were using that as a mechanical engineer who's working on engines they don't have to put these hundreds of thousands of dollars engines they can just do that with these holographic sword projections. So, Chad,
2: when did you actually take up witchcraft? <laughs> because I can, I can say that Chad was the first one to introduce me uh, to VR. You know, he he got me sort of hooked on, on the the Oculus, and uh, you know, I went home with it. And uh, I showed my, my daughters, and you know, we we played some games, and it was just unbelievable. I mean, you know, it literally will make you seasick at some yeah. sometimes, or it will make you, you know, based on kind of what you're playing or whatever. Uh, it, it was incredible. So, you know, I've uh, I've really enjoyed you sitting here just just talking us through that because you know I thought there was some spell that was probably cast upon me <laughs> that, you know, that that
0: Chad Lawson, he's a warlock,
2: you know, that's why. <laughs>
0: That's really interesting stuff. That's awesome. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the visual elements Mm -hmm. of virtual reality. And, you know, there's also another immersive component of that, and that's the audio, you know, because you're really introducing yourself into a digital world when you go behind those lenses. So it's been said that humans respond more quickly to audio cues than to visual cues. So with that in mind, how important is the audio experience in VR for creating this sense of immersion that VR depends on?
1: So when virtual reality sort of came back in its most recent iteration in 2013-2014, a lot of the headsets, and, and you may have tried some of these, Google Cardboard or Gear VR, these sort of uh, headsets that came packaged with a phone, you know, you didn't have an audio experience. And so it was very much a visual experience. You're riding a roller coaster. You're, yeah. you're watching YouTube on a, on, a, on a screen. So in the past few years, there's been a much more greater awareness that that is a need that audio plays such a central role in tricking your brain if sure. you want to feel as a part of the experience so the brand new headsets uh, one of the, the one of the top end headsets included some really just great headphones uh, built into it and it provides a stereoscopic a surround sound experience that when you're playing a lot of horror games they they depend on that audio cues to be really frightening and so with that with those experiences that bring you into the world you you want to hear the birds chirping if you're at the eiffel tower and google earth you want to hear those things you that your brain associates that they should be there. So the visual elements can line up, but without those audio cues, your brain can't really be tricked. And so having the whole package, and as companies have began to focus on that more so, I think uh, we have much more compelling experiences today than we did five years ago.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree, and I think it won't be too long before we start getting some other senses integrated. There's already been some push for touch controls. There's been a lot of innovations there, and we may talk about those a little bit later. But you know this brings us back to the history of VR. You know the beginnings of the technology. And Jason, I think you've been a, a scholar in this area at least uh, here recently. That's, so. that's
2: one word to, <laughs> that
0: you could use to describe that. So yeah. So, so what are your thoughts on the history of virtual reality?
2: Yeah, I mean, like like any scientific development, virtual reality technology was was certainly a process. In 1957, uh, Morton Hyling created something that he called Sensorama, and I believe that we actually referenced this uh, in our original episode. History of Movies. History of Movies, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So basically, it was a booth-like type structure that people would sit down into, and the machine would then produce uh, pictures, scents, sounds, and, and even vibrations. As a way to engage the participants, uh, so while this was a very primitive form of VR, it was VR in its infancy. Yeah,
1: and I think a good comparison that today is uh, these experiences you see marketed as 4D, oh, 4D yeah. D yeah. roller coaster. You know, you might see them at Gatlinburg or Disney World. I saw a 7D yeah. <laughs> experience, and it was the the
0: seats moved. There were bubbles floating around there was uh, sights, sounds and you know
1: yeah so it's sort of like you're all in one big virtual reality headset sort of you know and one big sensorama
2: my family and i went to dollywood last weekend and i I just held everyone's purses (laughs) (laughs) i didn't really participate in any (laughs) of the rides. they had good cinnamon bread though Uh, the next major step in, in the VR evolution came from Ivan Sutherland in 1968 when he made a machine that he called the Sword of Damocles. And, of course, this has a reference to Greek mythology with a sword dangling over the head. Uh, but basically it was the first head-mounted display. As people moved their heads, they could actually see uh, real images in, in real time, and so that was a pretty significant step forward. And then a few years later, a man named Thomas Furners, created something called Super Cockpit, which was used to train pilots. And this system utilized 3D maps, infrared, and radar imagery. Uh, It did utilize a head-mounted display, but it was very large uh, and cumbersome. And then from a gaming standpoint, Sega is generally given credit for being the first company to use VR uh, in a gaming sense in 1991. However, in 2010, Oculus came out, and the quality of VR changed forever. So Shannon, I believe you're going to tell us a little bit maybe about uh, VR pricing. So yeah. how, much, how much does this uh, witchcraft cost?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you can pay as little or as much as you want to. It okay. seems to be there's a wide market for this, and there are a lot of people who are trying to get a foothold here. So there, there are many different companies making these virtual reality headsets, and the headsets are available at many different price points. To name a few devices, there's the Oculus Go, which you referenced the Oculus company earlier. And really that was the first one that brought my attention to this market. I think it was one of the first big players that everyone heard about and started to gain an interest around virtual reality. There's also the Quest device. There's Google Cardboard, which we mentioned earlier, and the HTC Vive, among others. And you know, when we're thinking about this and Understanding that there's a plethora of different devices out there. They're all at different price points. You know, Chad, when you're looking at this, and you're an owner of many different headsets, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you've been a, a connoisseur of sorts, so you, you've uh, dealt with a lot of these, what should a consumer look for when comparing headset functionality versus the various price points?
1: That's a great question, and I think that that is a question that a lot of times will be confusing. Uh, I think it, it would be like if you brought your... 80 year old grandpa and said, here's all the phones that are out there today or <laughs> all the tablets that are out there. There are just so many at so many prices nowadays. And, and, and like I said, the market has really matured with virtual reality in 2013 or in 2012, sort of in that time frame. There was really just one, one company sort of wanting to produce these headsets, but today's landscape is much different. The, what I would really recommend for most people is to, there is a budget out there. And so if you're looking at the Google Cardboard or if you've tried those sort of cheap phone inserts, and I I say cheap because sometimes you can get them for just a dollar at Walmart or five dollars, you know, so they are very inexpensive. And you, you know, you, you plop your, Android or iPhone device in there, and you're able to watch YouTube videos or do a little roller coaster. But really, uh, there's two separations of virtual reality headsets. You have what's called three degrees of freedom and six degrees of freedom. And three degrees of freedom means that when you put your phone in there and those sort of cheap headsets, you're able to move your head left and right, but the actual movement and position of your body and things doesn't actually change in the virtual experience. You're only actually just moving your vision. So you can
0: just kind of have a pivotal uh, neck that's looking at the scope of the scene but you can't actually move in and out of the, the virtual reality. Yeah,
1: exactly. There's there's no actual there's no actual sort of immersion to the experience. You're sort of looking at just a large TV screen in some ways. Unfortunately, it's like looking at wallpaper. You know, you're in a room that's surrounded by the image. So, I think if that is your first introduction and that was my first introduction really into virtual reality in, in 2013 or so, there are some headsets that I, like you said Google has the Daydream headsets and and a lot of times if you bought a Samsung phone in the last 5 or so years, you may have received a Samsung Gear VR those are really high quality lenses and Oculus Oculus Go those are all high quality you're talking about $50 to about $150 or $200 for those headsets. So you can get some very compelling experiences. And if you're if you're wanting to only sort of try this out, you're wanting to just get a taste of it, those are great options. Now, it moves up significantly. You To get into the ones that I said, six degrees of freedom, you're wanting to really, the, the, the barrier to entry there is much higher. You're starting at about $400. And at that price point, I really would recommend the Oculus Quest. And Oculus, I say those that term but that's really just Facebook uh, Facebook uh, purchased Oculus in 2013 and so they they now provide these these devices so when we say Oculus we really mean Facebook so Facebook has the Oculus Quest and they that is a $400 device but really you're getting 85% of the experience you can go to Walmart and you can buy a a high sense 40 inch TV and you may enjoy that you watch Netflix and have a great time uh, or you may go to Walmart and buy a Samsung 60 inch OLED TV. There are thousands of dollars difference, hundreds of dollars difference. Uh, the experience is relatively the same you're still watching an image and having a good time you can watch Netflix on both the TVs but uh, one's better than the other just like if you buy an iPhone 4 it can go to the yeah. you can do the internet it can it can make phone calls you're getting things have not changed really so this is a, this is the iPhone 4 of, of virtual reality it, you can you can get there you can move around you can explore you can see virtual worlds you can have a great time there's great experiences out there the best games are pretty much on the platform there are a lot of historical uh, art you know if you want to use this in an educational aspect, there are a lot of great experiences that have had millions of dollars poured into them. So that's sort of at the $400 price level. Now I said the Samsung OLED TV example of $1,000 or more, those are those are experiences that require a very high-end enthusiast level. You really want to be getting the best of the best. And those headsets start anywhere from about $600 to $1,000 just for the headset. And then you would want a, a very beefy home computer to do that as well, gaming computer. So that's about an extra $500 to $1,000. So you're looking at a minimum for that sort of a setup, $1,500. So I said all that to say that if you want the best of the best, you know, if you're someone who's watching movies, like I said, on the Samsung OLED and you have noticed the picture quality, you notice the frame rate and you're noticing all these things that maybe most people don't really notice, that does higher end, uh, the HTC, uh, the HTC Vibes Pro and the, and the Valve Index, those those headsets are out there, and they're, they are expensive, but they are worth the price if you really are someone who's wanting those experiences. Um, but I think for most people that would want to get into this and seriously really kind of give it a shot, I think the Oculus Quest at $400 makes a lot of sense for most people. Sure,
0: absolutely. And with the vast landscape of VR technologies out there and all the different headsets, there's a lot of people, as we mentioned previously, a lot of companies, who are trying to get their hands in there and they're trying to innovate and do some different things and several industry leaders have emerged. And Jason, I think you're gonna tell us a little bit about the background um, and who those players are in this market.
2: Yeah, basically the, the big players here down uh, in virtual reality are HTC, Google, Sony, samsung and oculus which is owned by facebook what you just said there and i know that you've talked uh some on on the overall characteristics of these and maybe some some recommendations could you talk a little bit about maybe what are some of the subtle differences between those maybe like not necessarily uh, a a newer version but like you know the 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 same standard version of of those different companies yeah and Um. what they offer
1: Yeah, they, there are a lot of players. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there are just like smartphones or just like tablets. You have a lot of options. I think when you look at like some of the offerings here, you said Google and Sony, Sony has, has really pushed their, their PlayStation 4. And if you have a PlayStation 4, you really, that, that is the best selling virtual reality headset is for the PlayStation 4. It is gaming oriented. So if you're, if you're someone who's into that and they have some really high quality experiences, Google, has really been sort of the competitor to Oculus for most of this. They have really focused on the software side. And I think as a software company, which we we all know Google as that software entity with Google, you know, the search engine and Google Earth and all these other things, they have provided those experiences to all of the headsets and they're wanting to make the money and, and be a part of the industry on that software side, just like they don't make uh, necessarily a lot of hardware on other fronts. They They want to be able to to control the software portion of it. Uh, So Google Earth is just such a great experience. You can go anywhere in the world, Colosseum in in Rome. You can go to the Eiffel Tower, and you can literally stand there, touch touch those things, get the depth, and and feel as if, though, you're standing next to those monuments and places in the world.
2: You know, that's a really good point. Uh, My wife and I, we actually have two foreign exchange students that are living with us right now. And whenever you first introduced this to me, we had just recently picked them up from the airport. And so you know, they had been gone away from from their home for probably about maybe a week and a half, two weeks, something like that. And uh, so we just typed in the address and then boom, you know, she was there looking at her school in Madrid, Spain. And you could see the look on her face and how that wasn't just <laughs> yeah. a game. It's like I was there two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that was home to her. And then, of course, uh, you know, the other student we have is from the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. And so she was looking at that and... Uh, so you know, some really interesting things. Uh, and then, of course, we have another foreign exchange student that's going to come back. Uh, she's from Austria. So we've told her that when she comes back, she can kind of look at some stuff on that. She's looking forward to that. But from that aspect, that really has an emotional connection sure. to people that truly miss places, not that they're just interested in it, but they really want to reconnect to that place. Yeah.
1: yeah and as the technology progresses and these companies, these industry leaders really pour the resources in there, you will see much more... We talked about that the the physical presence is not there as much. When you touch something, you don't necessarily feel that feedback of touching the Eiffel Tower. You don't feel the rust and the iron, those things, but... These, these companies all have uh, began investing heavily into that technology. And I would say, just summarize, the Samsung and Oculus and HTC, those are probably the biggest players currently of, of actual manufacturing of hardware. Samsung and Oculus, they had a partnership for many years, and that's why you had the Gear VR, but it was powered by Oculus. I think it said on the side. And I wanted to say here that Facebook purchased Oculus for over $3 billion. So this wow. was not just to them. <laughs> no but, small purchase. Yeah, 2013 when they showed this technology to Facebook they were just blown away Mark Zuckerberg himself believed that it was the next computing platform so he has been just a fanatical believer in the technology so Samsung and and Oculus and HTC they are all competitors now trying to push out the best headset, the one that's going to get the mass market appear, the one that's going to be the iPhone of VR headsets that when you, when you go out to purchase a headset, you're buying the Oculus headset. So they've done a lot of really cool things. I really think Oculus though is, is, is taking the lead strong because they have partnered with media companies. They have concerts in VR. I mean, you feel as though you are really there and there's real life participants in virtual reality. I looked back at one of the concerts and there was a thousand people in virtual reality in this Coliseum with me. So even though I wasn't physically at the concert i felt as though i was in the crowd i had the had the t-shirt on you know i didn't have to go pay you 25 dollars for that t-shirt but i I felt as though i was a part of the experience those types of things they're putting millions of dollars into that so i think uh, htc sony i mean samsung they need to step up their game because the oculus is really providing a a compelling experience
0: yeah you you talked about uh, the concerts i think the first experience i had like that with vr was the presidential debate. They released some of those using a 360-degree camera. You could join that uh, via the VR platform, and I remember it was uh, you were kind of seated right in the middle of the crowd, and, of course, you had the candidates on the stage, and I could look to my left or to my right and see actual people who were in attendance there, and I just remember so clearly on the left you could look down and one of the audience members had a phone, and they were texting, and you could actually look down and watch them and their text messages message uh, exactly what they were doing. And you could zoom in on that. And it was just kind of surreal to be living that historical moment. And I'm just curious as we go forward in history, how that's going to play out because many more historical moments like that could be lived firsthand.
1: And, and I think that is a great point that this technology educationalized very clearly the his you know, talking about Google Earth and talking about these types of experiences, using this in a hist- history classroom, a social studies classroom is going to be awesome. If I could go back in time and be, you know, as we're talking about the Roman Empire and go to the Colosseum and you can literally see the details of the Colosseum and things and, and, how it's decayed over time but yeah. really feel as though you're there and you walk through that and, you know even if you just brought it to your students for one period or one class or ten minutes and everybody got to try it I think that adds so much more realism into the experience and I think just like you said the presidential debate one of the big things I see and I enjoy at home is all of the NBA finals finals games are, are now broadcast in VR so you're, you are courtside underneath the goal Oh, and <laughs> here you are watching the NBA yeah. finals And so I,
2: I tried to block out LeBron James
1: <laughs> and it didn't, it didn't work out too well <laughs> but it's just a' <laughs> They have such a great, I think I think the technology is really, they, these industry leaders are really pushing it forward. So I, I'm, I'm very excited as well.
0: Well, Chad, you've had several VR experiences and you've been places, you've engaged with this technology, you know, and with different industries and corporations. And you've even been invited on a trip at one point to fly to Taiwan and participate in an all expenses paid VR gaming event. And that's really exciting. That's a big deal. How did that happen and what was that experience like for you
1: Yeah so it was really surreal it wasn't a uh, experience that I thought you know a, a Kentucky boy would be able to do honestly to go to Taiwan I went to Computex and if you're a nerd, you probably know what that is, but it's a, <laughs> it's the largest uh, electronic show in Asia. It so. sounds
0: like the largest technology
1: <laughs> show in Asia. <laughs> so it's a, it was a and you know and I you know I was just so excited to be a part of that experience. So really what it, what had occurred and I was like I said from 2013 forward, I was just so interested in this technology. I knew that it had so many implications for healthcare, for education, for gaming, for you know, there's just so many great things that it can do. So I was just a part of a community and I was, uh, I was using virtual reality to lose weight. Really, I would come home and instead of sitting at a computer in, in your video game or something like that after my boys went to bed, I would, uh, I would be dodging physical balls in virtual reality. I would, you know, that sounds crazy, but you know, I would, there would be groups of guys, you know, and girls, you know, and they're 3v3 and we would meet up in the afternoons and you're playing physical dodgeball in virtual reality. And so I just, I loved it from the get go and uh, just a great community of folks. and. And, and it was a mature audience because most 15-year-olds came at that time couldn't purchase a $2,000 computer and headset. Kind so, of, uh, so
0: an exclusive club. You, you pretty well. much yeah. had
1: to be yeah. a nerd, an enthusiast, <laughs> someone who would really want this technology, you know. So you had to really seek it out. So I, I, I did that. I helped them, the, the company that provided that game. I was really adamant about checking for bugs and just trying to help the development of the game. And a few months after I purchased it, they contacted me and said, hey, we have a, a sponsorship deal with uh, HTC of one of the industry leaders here we was talking about and Zotac, they produce uh, uh, computers. But they they both had teamed up to do a sponsorship deal at Computex and they wanted us to show off these new computers that Zotac had built, uh, sort of wireless computers that could be used to vir- uh, to play virtual reality. And uh, so they said, would you be interested? And, and this game cost $20. Yeah. You know, this wasn't like... So right, you yeah. know, I didn't pay thousands of dollars to get in on this or development of this. You know, it was twenty dollars I think at the time I purchased it. And I was just playing dodgeball and having fun. I'd lost like forty pounds. <laughs> you just you know? put
2: time into it. Yeah, that, I just yeah. I'd
1: put a you know, an hour or two here or there every day or you know, when I got home and uh and so I'd lost forty pounds. So the health benefits were great. And so when they contacted me and said that, I just it just blew my mind. I was so excited, I was so happy. When I got there, we, we had a great time. And at one time I think there was around twenty thousand people that were watching a previous event And, uh, and so after that previous event went off, they were like, Hey, let's squeeze this in here and let 20,000 people see this new product we're coming out with. It was a lot of fun. And we, and, and I had a great time and I got to try the HoloLens there. I got to try a lot of really cutting edge technology that I would not have gotten to try in, in Kentucky. So it was a, it was a fun and great experience. And I, and I was just super blessed to be able to do that.
0: I remember um, when you were at that event, it was broadcast all over the world, and it was live, and obviously you were in a different time zone, so the time that you were up playing and competing in this event, this virtual dodgeball game that you were playing, it was like 3 a.m., back here in southeast Kentucky, and I just remember setting my alarm clock because I wanted to get up and I wanted to watch this, and I was just blown away. I just remember how professional the production was. I remember after the actual gaming had taken place, there was a separate event where they pulled the competitors over and they conducted interviews, and it was very sportsmanlike, and it really highlighted what this community had done, what they'd achieved in a very short time, and it was really exciting. I I really liked that. It was really cool. Yeah so you've also competed uh, or participated in a variety of other events as well you've been to the oculus connect event uh, with facebook you've been to pax south Um, when you were traveling to these events first of all tell us a little bit about where they were Mm -hmm. i I think most of these were in the u.s but you know where where were they Mm -hmm. at exactly and what were your experiences at these events and what most surprised you about emerging technologies in vr at these various conferences
1: that's a great question shannon these events had been taking place in the Oculus Connect and Oculus Connect 4 and 5. They were both in San Jose, California, which is very close to Facebook headquarters. And these, this is the second largest event that Facebook does all year. So they only have two major events, one being the Facebook specific and this being sort of their hardware side. Oculus Connect was just such a great experience. You got to see high-level play of, of eSports, and I think a lot of people, when they see eSports, they think, how can movement and, and reaction speed of mouse clicks and, and, and trigger you know, buttons, how does, how does that make a sport? So I think that a lot of people can't wrap their head around that being like a legitimate sport. But when you see these guys playing virtual reality sports and eSports, They are physically ducking, dodging. You know, if they are shooting a gun, they're looking down the barrel. They're doing all the
0: stuff. They're doing,
1: yeah. What you would think in the real world, if you were playing uh, soccer in a field. You would be doing the exact same thing, but we're just in a zero gravity soccer field. You know, yeah, so I,
0: I
2: can attest to the, the boxing the game that yeah. that you, that you have showed me. I mean, I went like two or three rounds, and I mean, I was done. I yeah. mean, I needed some yeah. water. I mean, I yeah. legit burned some calories. Yeah. yeah,
1: you know. So these experiences, when you're in there, you track like a ten by ten area. You know, ten foot by ten foot area, or you can do any size area that you like. But like Jason said, you're in that ten foot by ten foot boxing ring. And so that you you're able to move around and and it feels as if that ring is exactly the size of your living room. So as they do these esports on stage and they have a lot of room there, I think they do about five foot by five foot for each competitor, and they're doing three v three teams. These guys have so much athleticism. They you know a lot of them are in great shape, and the guys who are taking home twenty thirty thousand dollars they are performing to the best of their ability that weekend. So there's some real money, some real competition it's going on It's a sport
0: to them. When they're taking home twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000, that's real money, that's real life, that's a big deal.
1: <laughs> Facebook has put just so much emphasis in, in, on that, and they've really had a lot of success with the teams, and, and they brought in some new games and new experiences to be a part of that. So just seeing that on stage was just awesome, just to know that this is the future, I think, of a lot of – You know, kids growing up, they think you know. You know, they may want to be playing Fortnite or something. But when I look at that stuff, I say, "Wow, I'd love to be on stage playing." uh zero gravity soccer or something, you know. <laughs> just really being there in the presence of that is just awesome. So I, I I got to view the competitive side of it, but really the big takeaways and the most surprising things from those Oculus Connect and, and I and Pack South and San Antonio, those experiences were the the actual companies, colleges, healthcare industry leaders that are out there that are working on this technology. At at Oculus Connect four, the ceo one of the main ceos of uh, walmart was on stage and he was talking about the resolution of the vr headsets and i'm sitting here thinking the ceo of procter and gamble and the ceo of walmart they're so into this technology that they say man i just wish that the resolution was just a little higher and i'm sitting here thinking <laughs> how did they how are these <laughs> top level executives really into this technology but to them it is the future they walmart purchased 16000 oculus go headsets and they feel that training in the, in the education piece of it in the stores instead of having to have real life examples to learn from of a, of a disgruntled customer. They're able to put you in this experience where the disgruntled customer is in virtual reality and the disgruntled customer comes up and you have an option of a do I do A, B, or C? And, <laughs> and I was able to try some of that in real time and, and be a part of that, of those experiences. And Audi, their car manufacturer, they make luxury cars. And instead of bringing out a hundred thousand dollar vehicle to show on a showroom floor or to say, Hey, Chad, you know, would you like to purchase this specific model for $200,000 and take up this time? They had experiences where you sit down in the vehicle. You could custom choose the color, the paint, the interior, how the gear selector worked, everything. In virtual reality, so they could handcraft the car that you would want before they had to ever produce that car. It may have cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars to create the application. But that's a one-time expense, and now they can take this to their showrooms and their floors at their dealerships, and they're able to show you exactly and let you handpick the car that you want, and that saves them a ton of money over the period of five years. So they were able to show a lot of really cool examples, and one of the really best examples, I think, that really one of the big surprising takeaways was the pediatric cardiology ward at the University of Los Angeles They had some survey data and some, and some really great research that went into talking about virtual reality as a learning experience. They had brought students from their, their pediatric program and they had brought them in to talk about virtual reality and use virtual reality as a learning tool. So they placed virtual reality alongside textbooks, 2D screens, cadavers, which we would see as sort of the gold standard in medicine, and virtual reality and all of those different learning tools. And then at the end of the program, after using, you know, 2D screens, textbooks, cadavers, and virtual reality as a a learning tool, they unanimously agreed that virtual reality was a better learning tool than all of those other ones. Oh, wow. So that was just such an eye-opening experience to me that I realized that in the world of higher ed, there is a great opportunity to use this technology as a learning piece. If there's already a lot of survey and research there, and we're talking about 2017, so there's been just so much more since then, this, this data really shows that virtual reality has a real place in education and, and not just gaming as well.
2: Well, Chad, you mentioned the, 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 uh, the future of VR. So experts predict that in 2020, VR will be a $150 billion industry. And obviously, VR is going to have uh, major implications for education you know, at all levels, just as you just got through you know, talking about there. But the one major topic at the center of, of the VR discussion is what is going to be the actual practical application that VR can provide in our daily lives to make VR explode and be utilized uh, as as easily as cell phones are?
1: That's That's a great question as well. And I think... You know, when you look at cell phones, I think what really the application there was using the Internet anywhere. You can do anything on the Internet. Really, by the time 2010 came along, you could access emails. You can message friends. Having the Internet in your pocket was such a big thing. Unfortunately, I don't think virtual reality has that experience yet. But I think... A culmination of the experiences really provides a an expansive and uh, just a really great experience. Like I've said throughout the podcast, being able to use this to lose weight, at this point I've lost around 90 pounds using virtual reality as a as sort of just an exercise cardio play, you know, uh, doing the boxing and doing those types of things that has provided a lot of cardio. Being able to go places and see things in the education, and we know that from an education pr- perspective that be- students who can experience those have those rich experiences, learn, and, and they grow from those experiences more effectively than not having those. So I think I don't think at this moment that Google Earth is going to be the VR experience that sells a billion of these items. Uh, I don't think watching YouTube in virtual reality is going to sell a billion of these devices. But I think when you give it a try, when you're actually in the experience and you see what's out there, just the breadth of stuff that's out there and, and the technology that's coming to fruition, I think that it's really compelling. And I think that in the next few years, we'll see more and more just really great experiences that expound upon those principles and, and just provide just a, just an awesome experience that you can't get anywhere else. What times we live in. <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's good
0: stuff, Chad. So, Shannon, do you have anything else uh, you'd like to add? Just excited about what's on the horizon. And I think there's a lot of neat applications here. You know, obviously there's the really fun, interactive uh, video game side of it. But also there's the really exciting occupational applications, like you mentioned, with Walmart and customer service and the medical industry. I just think uh, VR in the future is just going to become much more pervasive. And it's just going to become much more important in our daily lives. And I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that'll be a really interesting future to live in.
2: Okay, again, special thanks to Chad Lawson for joining us uh, today. You can connect with the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at Pod. And if you have not already done so, uh, please subscribe and uh, give us a rating. We would be very much appreciative of that. So uh, thanks so much, and uh, take care,
0: everyone. Take care. Thanks for having me.